0: Learn more at marines.com.
1: Hello and welcome to another podcast. I'm Dave Hendrick and I'm joined by Mr. Dave Davis. How are you, sir?
0: Yeah, very well. Cheers. You?
1: I'm good. I'm good. So with the ongoing saga of Ginny Wijnaldum potentially going to Barcelona, uh, I thought it was time to have a little bit of a chat about that and also then to have a deeper look at Barcelona and the enormous mess that they've gotten themselves into. And you've obviously done a lot of research on Barca, on their finances, on how they got into this situation and potentially how they get out of it. So... First things first, Ginny Winealdum. What's your thoughts on this? Do you think is there any possibility he stays at this point, or is he is he gone and is Barca his most likely destination?
0: I, I think at this stage it, it's going to take a huge turn in the proceedings if Ginny is going to stay because every day he moves closer to the exit door. In simple terms, from the noises that we've been hearing, they're really starting to accelerate now, aren't they? It does seem to be that Barca is the team that's come to the the forefront, which I think a lot of Reds expected or thought would be the case. As it stands now, I can't see it. It, It'd take a a big turnaround. I know there's been a lot of chat around amount of salary, length of contract. It's going to be really late in the day for those two parties to sort of bridge that gap. So I'd, I'd like to be positive about it, but I just can't see it now. Yeah, I mean,
1: I've sort of taken the view that if if he wants to go, if this is a decision he has made, that he wants to go and he's won everything at Liverpool and now he wants to go and experience something different. And obviously, Dutch players do grow up with that strong link to Barca because of Cruyff and uh, Renes Miekels and people like that. So yeah, it, it may just be that that's always been his, his goal. And if he wants to do that, I have no problem with it. He leaves with nothing but thanks. He has been an incredible servant to the club over his five years. I've seen some people say, oh, well, he's being greedy. He's asking for too much and he wants four years and he's 30. I didn't hear this same energy five years ago when we gave James Milner, who was only one year younger than Ginny is now, a five-year contract at double what Ginny currently earns. So I don't really understand those people having that viewpoint. Like, there's nobody can tell me that a four-year contract for Ginny right now is not good value because the guy never gets hurt. And the guy can play everywhere, right back, centre back, midfield, defensive attacking central, can play out wide. He played as a false nine in a Champions League semi-final for us. If you stuck him at left back, he'd do a job for you. He is the ultimate super utility player, and he's good pretty much everywhere. So yeah. There's nobody could tell me it wouldn't be good value, even if he wasn't an every-game starter. We've been giving Milner money to not be a starter for years. I think if you were to give Ginny that type of money, he could take that role that Milner has filled for a number of years, being a super utility player. We could move Milner on, let him go to Leeds or wherever and finish out his career where he might start a bit more regularly. And Ginny could take that role. He's already one of the leaders in the group, so he takes that, that mantle as well. And let's be honest, he's a better player than James Milner. So it is an upgrade in that role. And if you then bring in a starter, it works for everybody. So I don't really buy any of the arguments that he's asking for too much or the four year, fourth year is a bad idea. We gave James Milner a two-year extension at the age of 34, which is what you need be at the end of this contract.
0: Yeah, couldn't couldn't really argue with too many of those points, I think. I think as well, to touch on what you said, you could understand it that this is really going to be the last big contract of his career. It's that simple. At the age of thirty, so if we're not going to step in and sort of meet those demands, Barca, PSG, there's going to be a number of clubs on the continent willing to to meet those. And as you mentioned, he's part of the leadership group. The most underrated characteristic in football is probably availability. At the current moment in time, there's no one more dependable than Ginny. It's if listen, if he does go, he leaves with our blessing. If he stays, happy news as well. But one thing I would say, I do have faith in Klopp that he has a plan or him and Edwards have a replacement in mind if that does happen.
1: Oh, I totally agree. And I would imagine they have replacements for everybody already in mind including yeah. guys that we only signed. Like, I would say they've already looked at, well, if Jota was to leave in two years, if we got £100 million for him in two years, who could we replace him with? They'll already have a list. People like Jeremy Doku and young players like that. For Ginny, it's, it could be people like Bubakari Samare, Eduardo Camavinga. You know, it'll be high-end players. Liverpool aren't, aren't shopping in the bargain bin. Now, they had to in January because of the financial situation, but... When it comes to replacing a key member of the team, and Ginny has been a key member of the team, they're not going to just go the cheap route. They will find the best possible option. And If you look at Ginny, since joining Liverpool, you you mentioned availability. He's only ever had two issues that ruled him out for more than one game at a time. Last season, he had a bit of a knock just before Christmas and missed two games. He probably could have played the second one, but he was held back. And in 1718, he missed three games through illness. Other than that, it's literally one game, one game, one game, one game, one game, one game. He's had six instances of one game, one of two and one of three, and that's it. That is it across his entire t- tenure at Liverpool. He's only missed 11 games through injury or illness. Like, when you consider how many games we've been playing, going deep in the Champions League, and he plays every league game. He is, like, every game he is in there, one way or another, Klopp will find a way to have Ginny on the field. It it, it does speak to a player with, with incredible natural levels of fitness, but also that sort of unbreakable nature that we saw. Luis Suarez had that as well when he was with us.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. I think there's almost a he comes across as such a nice guy Jimmy, but he's got that sort of metal about him really hasn't he he's got it in his psyche you can see he's, and also every game he he's charging about the field wherever he plays the ground he covers is just absolutely unbelievable and i think the trying to look at it from both points of view i think people had the worry that age you know will his legs go you know we've, we've looked at a few other players in the current squad and thinking are they starting to dip you're not really seeing that from Genie, to be fair. Available every game, still covering the ground, still doing what's asked of him. Not not always a, a world beater, don't get me wrong, but the, there are no signs that he's on the, the slide at all. So that just makes it all uh, a bit more sad, really.
1: That's the thing. I mean, he has been consistently good this season. He did have a bit of a dip, and it was clearly because of fatigue. Because while everybody yeah. else fell around him, Fabinho was needed at centre-back, Thiago got hurt and missed 10 or 12 games, Henderson has been hurt four or five times this season already, Naby Keita missed a bunch of games, Milner was out injured, and Curtis Jones is only a kid, so he couldn't be played every single game, Ginny was the only one, the only grown-up in the room who was there every single game in midfield, obviously it was going to take its toll, it did, but he was still fit, he was still there. He was still giving everything he had to give. It's just that he didn't have quite as much to offer as he had in previous years and even in previous weeks. He is a remarkable footballer. He is only 30. He won't turn 31 until November. So for me, I I hope he stays. I really do. I think he can be a massive part of the squad for the next four years. I think he'd be well worth paying big money to because of his versatility, his consistency, and you know just what a good presence he is to have around. But if he chooses to move, in the same way that I wished Emre Chan nothing but the best, because he gave everything he had right up until the end, and even when he knew he was leaving, busted his ass to get fit for a Champions League final. Ginny Weinaldum has given absolutely everything to the club since day one, sacrificed more than anyone else, Because when he arrived, he was a goal-scoring, attacking midfielder. And he's played as almost a second defensive midfielder for the majority of his time here. He's given up individual uh, accolades and accomplishments for the good of the team. I don't see how anyone could begrudge him. Like you said, it could be the last big contract. If he wants to go and have that at Barca, PSG, Bayern were linked last summer. I guarantee Juventus and clubs like that would like him as well. If he wants to go and do that, like nobody should begrudge him that. And like he gave us a Champions League uh, and a Premier League, what more can you ask from any player?
0: Yeah, too right. And you think obviously back to the that night against Barcelona at Anfield. I mean, (laughs) playing in an unusual position changed the game as well. So I, I don't think you can give him anything but the best. And the word legend does get maybe bandied about too easily, but. Exactly as you said, he's going, having brought Champions League, the league, obviously the Super Cup, the World Club Cup. He's he's been a key part of all those things, a key, a key real club lieutenant. There's a there's a reason why he's in the leadership group, and I do think mm. it may just be underestimated how much his influence and his presence could be missed. Well,
1: there's also the factor of how much his influence helped us attract Virgil Van Dijk, who's a close friend of Ginny's and that was one of the the original contacts that were made were between Ginny and Virgil about a potential move to Liverpool. It was between Ginny setting things up and then Klopp obviously selling the project, selling Virgil and everything else. That's what led Virgil to refuse to meet Arsenal, to refuse to even get in a room with anyone from United, to turn down bigger offers from Chelsea and Man City. Ginny set a lot of the groundwork in place for that and that shouldn't be overlooked either. He has been very, very valuable to us, and I think would continue to be. If we had gone in for players like Matthias DeLict or Memphis Depay over the last couple of years as we were linked, I think Ginny would have played a key role in getting them to the club. So he's had that kind of influence as well. He's a very popular player with us and with his national team. So you do have to factor all those things in when you talk about what a miss he will be. So to move on then. Barca looks like the most obvious landing spot for them. Kuman is there. There's talks that they that they want Memphis to pie on a free as well. Memphis and Ginny are best friends. Played together at PSV Eindhoven. You've done a lot of research into the finances of Barca. So start start me off with like a, a broad overview of where they are right now financially, and then we'll dig into it. Where they
0: are right now financially. Without wanting to labour the point, it's it is a mess financially. We are talking about a club that is over a billion euros in debt, which is you know it's not a small figure. But there is now hope on the horizon, and the hope is literally down to the new, well, say the new, the returning president Laporta coming in, and to almost understand that you've got to go back to the last president Bartomeu, who trying not to labour the point, but virtually ran the club down and down, and even ran his own players down. So we're talking about a guy who's got a history outside of football, so realistically basketball was his main interest, comes in, a sequence of, as we know, the bad buys long-term, the Coutinho, Dembele, Griezmann. So that's obviously going to annoy the existing Barca faithful. Then... How does Barca run? Lionel Messi runs Barca. We all know that to an extent. All that was happening is Messi becoming increasingly unhappy day by day at a club that you know should really be a a linchpin in terms of football, where he should be the the main jewel, shining. Simple as that. And the biggest shock, which right up until the end of Barzini's reign, has come out, and well, it's still ongoing now. The PR leak. So. Upon investigation there was a number of rumours around what was happening and why Barcelona legends really were being run down in the press, so Messi naturally, but also PK and even Javi back from that sort of legendary era. Scandal throughout well see, not just in Barcelona, throughout Spain then comes out. Bartonie and certain members of the board have actually been paying a PR firm to monitor Barca's social media and also release negative stories about the likes of Messi, PK, Xavi. I mean, you, you can't actually make it up, can you? Can you imagine any football club where the president and senior figures in the board would be arrested because of negative PR? Paid PR companies, you know, 10 times above the standard norm, to release... Negative stories about existing players and legends of the club. So that, if you think of that background up until the the recent elections, and we've all seen the football side, you know the 8 two hammerings from Bayern, just the natural decline season upon season, bad buys. It it was it was going to the ground a little bit, Barcelona. So now, sort of bringing it back to the hope. The hope comes in the form of Laporte So. Well-known figure in the world of football all the way back to 2003 with his first presidency. Simple terms, the man who ushered in that golden era of Barcelona. Everyone remembers the Ronaldinhos, Messi, Xavi, Iniesta, Busquets, when he was on top hand, much which we hate to say it, Pep and that, that golden team. Laporta is a massive figure in Spain and Barcelona. There's no two ways about it. You're talking about a guy with a huge presence, a huge charm, in all honesty as well, massive political sway. Different, I'd say, to Bartomeu, as in big law firm, big clients, big recognisable figure, always involved in Catalonian politics, shall we say. So everyone is aware of Laporta and who he is. And he, more than anyone, had been an absolutely ginormous critic of Bartomeu and taking every opportunity he could to sort of criticise that era. So naturally, the elections are held. It's Adela Porter and the other two, and you can't you can't really undersell this. We're talking about a guy who received fifty five percent of the the vote. We are talking a, a landslide. There comes in with a plan quite quickly to say, "Yeah, this is what I'm going to do: restore Barca to simple glory, and importantly, Lionel Messi to stay." That's the the main sort of crux of his plan. The main sort of central point all along. <laughs> it's pretty telling that Lionel Messi turns out publicly for election day. And I think we can all probably guess who Lionel Messi voted for. So in a sort of quick five minutes, that's, I'd say, the soap opera that is Barcelona to bring you up to current day.
1: Yeah, so the, the, the defamation campaign now tagged as Barcagate, which annoys me because... Every scandal just gets gate put on the end of it after Watergate. But that would indicate that Watergate was a scandal about water, and it wasn't. Watergate was the name of the hotel. So for people out there who tag these things as such and such gate, stop doing that. Stop doing that. Watergate was not a scandal about water. This is just a scandal about Barcelona, nothing to do with a hotel. Um... The the I Three Ventures is the is the name of the group that were being used to push this defamation campaign. And like you've said, it was current players, former players, it was, you know, uh Victor Font, uh Laporta, uh Ruiz. they were like other contenders for, for presidency. This was Bartomeu trying to stamp them down, make them unpopular so that he could continue to run the club in in his fashion. But also, like, political figures, because people who were, like, pro-Catalan independence, he was running them down as well. And it's come out that, like, at Barcelona, because of the way they're run, um, for them to spend any money at all, it has to be signed off by multiple people if the figure is over 100000 So rather than pay the The million euro or whatever it was they paid to i three ventures as one they simply made small payments of like fifty grand a time, and nobody at barca really knew this was going on that this was what was happening, so obviously Bartomew has been arrested misappropriation of funds and different things and it it hasn't worked for him, obviously because he's now out he's now facing corruption charges, and Laporta, the guy he desperately did not want, is back in charge. Now, you obviously mentioned Messi and how unhappy he's been. But you also said, and, and this is the absolute key point on this, Lionel Messi runs Barcelona. Nothing, is, nothing happens without his say-so. When they signed Neymar, it was because Messi wanted Neymar. When they signed Suarez, it was because Messi wanted Suarez. Now, those two obviously worked. Those two signings worked brilliantly. And that front line, Messi, Suarez, Neymar, maybe the best front three the game has ever seen. But subsequent big moves, and you, you mentioned the three of them, Coutinho for 145 million. Again, Messi's a driving force in that. Usman Dembele, at the time, seen as being right up there with the likes of Mbappe as the best young players in the world. They couldn't get Mbappe, so they went for Uzman. It hasn't worked. And Antoine Griezmann, who Messi had wanted to play with for years, So while Messi has been getting unhappier, he also needs to shoulder quite a bit of the blame here. And I think what we've seen with him and with Cristiano at Real and now at at Juve is clubs giving too much power to these individual players. And they're the only two players that I know of or that I I can think of that have this type of power where the club will do whatever it is that those players demand. You look at Juventus and how they've completely ruined their own finances. They went from being the best-run club in Europe to having a catastrophic wage bill, having to beg their sponsors to renegotiate contracts just to get them to FFP compliancy, all to sign Cristiano, and it hasn't worked. And for Barca, the same thing. Spending all this money on Coutinho, Dembele, and Griezmann Paying Messi a hundred grand a year, or sorry, a hundred million a year between wages, bonuses, image rights, etc., it has ruined Barcelona's financial situation. And like you say, there is there is hope on the horizon. But for the here and now, there are a billion euro in debt. That's not something any other club, other than maybe Real, could could possibly carry. Every every other club would be facing ruin. Why is it that they are not?
0: In in simple terms, it's and it's the reason Laporta's in, they'll make no two mistakes about it, it's the the finance and the contacts that Laporta brings in. So if you think when any Barcelona president comes in, and, and this is standard, this isn't a unique thing, he has to present guarantees of 15% of the budget to actually be sworn in. So when Laporta... I mean, back in 2003, it was only 20 million, but now Laporta has to present 125 million euros. So uh, this just goes back to the soap opera that is Barca. He only actually secured the finance just before the actual presentation date, or they could have faced another re-election. So the key part behind that is Giro. His, um, his main man, or used to be his main man, I should say, in the, the campaign, the financial guy, vice president, he was the main sort of financial take. There's a guy who's been on various boards of various banks throughout Barcelona and Spain. So he's connected that way. Now, this is where you try not to blur theory and facts. No one really knows fully what happened. But right on the eve of these guarantees, Giro resigns he literally resigns from laporta's board saying no not for me anymore and again theory and fact no one fully knows what happens but in simple terms if you've got to present a budget of 125 million just to secure your presidency and your financial guy re- resigns on the eve that that doesn't scream a sort of healthy entrance but nonetheless laporta gets his finance laporta comes in and the the charm offensive begins. And that's really what it, it comes to, the charm offensive from Laporta. Really clear, straight from the off in the, the press conference, Lionel Messi, we're going to do everything we can to get you to stay. And anyone who watched the press conference probably saw, he, he name-checked him. There was a reason it was done that very way. It does put a nice bit of public pressure back on Messi that way. Also, really clear that the how would you put it, the model that they're going to operate. He's mentioned this before in his previous presidential addresses, but he's talking now about the youth model. It's La Masia, isn't it? It's the academy. So there's so many potential gems there already, like Marimba, Fatih, Pedri. That there's so much talent there. Speculation aside, because there's a lot of talk, isn't it, like I said, about Gv, Depey, Aguero, Garcia, two city boys. There's a lot of talks about what he'd refer to as clever freeze. The biggest thing that the porter's also done, which isn't really being talked about, is finance. And the, the big company to name, really, is Goldman Sachs. So, Goldman Sachs are already in bed with Barcelona. Make no mistake about it. So, they're giving them the the initial loan for the Espai Barca pro- project. They've actually funded a lot of the the sort of players' wages or the, the subsidies of that, even when they've been asking to, to take reductions. They are also, Goldman Sachs, the lender for that project. Now, just to give you an idea of that project, if anyone's not heard about it, s by Barca. We're talking about a, a huge redevelopment of all things Barcelona-related. So the Camp Nou, increasing capacity, increasing VIP seats, etc., Stadium sponsorship. We're talking about the Johan Croix Stadium, which is where Barca B play their games. That being redeveloped, increased capacity, all modern furnishings. We're also talking about, as well, a building of a new stadium there, sort of a up to 15,000 seats, where they're looking to hold concerts, so various VIP events. So there's clearly a plan there to almost increase So all the assets, even the has is being talked about, about having work on and increasing the value of the the club that way. But we are talking about a project where the total financing of that is estimated, again, over a billion euros. So Laporta is well in bed with Goldman Sachs. There's there's no two ways about it. Also, how else is he doing it? (laughs) Sponsorships, that is where he specializes. Laporta brings contacts. La Porta brings big firms to the table and already their recruits are one of their shirt sponsors. They've extended their deal to £50 million a year and they're actually in preliminary talks to actually be one of the stadium sponsors as well and La Porta is putting all the bait in the water he can to try and bring big companies to the table. On top of that, we know Barcelona's players have been asked to reduce their, their wages throughout the term so give back, shall we say. This again, fat v theory, the speculation as to is that money going into you know the stadium? How's that all being worked? Just to be careful what we say there. But it's just absolutely crazy. And then on top of that, which is maybe the biggest thing, which is not really being talked about, he is in charge now, or has available to him, I should say, a huge credit facility. Let's not let's make no mistake, as much as we're talking about clever freeze and youth products barca are well in the market for a name this summer mm. and we're starting to see it leak out aren't we with harland i think's the latest one there's a lot of talks over big names barca have a huge debt but barca have a huge credit facility at the same time and laporta now has the option of using that credit facility wisely so dependent on how you look at it there's huge debt but there is huge hope at the same time in simple terms
1: there is i think when when you go through the squad like there's a lot of young talent there that they can build on not just the uh, the academy graduates that you, that you mentioned but you know, you think of like mark andre taggins one of the best keepers in the world he's only 27 28 so so only entering his prime now Serginho Desk, they brought in last summer. Very promising young right-back. Ronald Arreo, the young Uruguayan centre-back. Super talented. Um, Clement Langlet is only 25, 26. He's a solid centre-back. He's reliable. Uh, Trincao, the Portuguese they brought in last summer. Again, massive talent. And then Frankie Dion, who's got the potential to be the best midfield player in the world. Those young players added to... You know, messy. They'll probably still keep hold of Piquet and Bus- uh, Busquets because they won't want to lose that experience, that fi- that fiber and fabric of Barcelona. But they have players that they can sell, the likes of Coutinho. Now, they will lose money. And that's worth being clear on. They're going to lose a lot of money when they sell Coutinho. They'll yeah. lose a, a lot of money if they sell Usman Um, They'll lose money if they sell Griezmann. I would imagine. Miralem Pjanic is one that they'll look to move on as well. And that was a strange signing to begin with, swapping Artur and cash for Pjanic, which seemed like it was just a bit of accounting chicanery between Barca and Juve, where they both overinflated the prices of the players to show favourably on their balance sheet. But again, they could sell Pjanic, and while they won't get the 70 million or whatever it was they viewed him at, When they bought him, they'll certainly get 35 to 40 for a player of his caliber. And if they could bring in a couple of hundred million between Coutinho, Dembele, Griezmann and Pjanic, certainly nowhere in the region of the half billion they spent on them. But if they got, say, half of that 250 million, even 200 million, if that money can say half of it go towards paying down the debt and the other half goes towards buying a big name player, one big name player with 100 million is definitely doable. Um, or, or somebody that can be, you know, a foundation point of what they're going to build. Certainly, they're, they're they're in position where they could turn certain things around, and they have a number of other young players that they could rely on. Emerson, the young right back, is at Real Betis on loan. They could bring him back in. Um, Carlos Elena is at Getafe. They could bring him back in and then sell him, and they'll get money for these players. So. While from the outside looking in, obviously it is, it's it's gloomy. Once you go through the details that you've mentioned with with the Goldman Sachs situation, with Laporte's contacts and his potential for growing the club commercially, which obviously he did to an enormous extent the first time he was in charge, plus the ability to sell a number of these players who don't don't really contribute on a game to game basis, it, it's. It is a more manageable situation once you kind of get into it than what it appears outside. And then when you factor in potential free agent signings like Ginny Wijnaldum, Memphis and Aguero, while they're not signings that will have the the Catalan faithful jumping up and down, they're all good players who'll add something to the squad. And let's be fair, the reason they want Aguero is because they want to keep Messi. That is the be-all and end-all of why they want Sergio Aguero. It's the same reason that Paris Saint-Germain wants Sergio Aguero because they think if they get Aguero, that will help them land Messi. Yeah,
0: a thousand percent. It, it really is that simple. We, there's no, There was no surprise that as soon as Luis Suarez left Barcelona, that was the real sort of plummet of Bartomeu and Messi's relationship. So... Aguero is almost coming in as the the new best friend, shall we call it that. So it's a total appeasement of Lionel Messi. Also, I mean, let's not lie, Aguero comes with a, a big pred- pedigree and he's a Nike athlete. If you look at the same time who Barcelona are being linked with now, say Haaland for instance, there again, it's Nike athletes, isn't it? It's becoming a sponsorship dream, isn't it, to have Messi feed in Haaland. It looks great on paper. So that's going to then help sort sort of secure even more financing. And the other big thing that they're sort of, say, hatching a plan's is maybe a bit strong. It may sound like criminal genius. But there is a plan at the moment to actually sell off some of the assets. Because I know we talk about Barcelona and everyone thinks about it as a football club. But it, it's so much more with all the various arenas, the various teams. So there is looking at the moment to sell assets to raise approximately 250 million euros. So that pays down a bit more of the debt that way. And also Goldman Sachs are are very clear in their strategy. Goldman Sachs are not in this to own a football club. That is not the sort of finance institution. That's not what they're trying to do. Goldman Sachs have a clear reputation for entering a, a big institution, sort of lending a big company money that way, but then exiting it with a healthy profit and leaving it in a stable situation so that is a part of their model they're not coming into sort of you know don't get us wrong to win trophies or do anything like that they're in it because they know the value of the existing asset that is Barcelona and they're also in it because they have a clear idea of what value they can add to Barcelona and capitalize and that's probably the big talking point at the moment we're talking about a huge financial institution that is in bed with Barcelona to the tune of nine figures and a, a huge redevelopment project. So he's got plenty on the at the moment, put it that way. It's not going to be a quiet time for him. No,
1: no, it's definitely not. I mean, look, there's the, the obvious thing with them is, is making a decision on Lionel Messi. Now, you could argue that from a financial point of view, the best thing to do would be to just say, look, it's been incredible. You're the best player this club has ever had. You're one of the greatest players of all time. Certainly the best of your generation. Well, I think we call it a day. Thank you. And goodbye, because realistically, if you're going to re-sign him, he's going to want more money than the hundred million a year. He's been earning for the last five or six years. And At 34, I I believe he is, he is going to start to decline. And if he wants a four-year contract, the last two years of that could be really, really ugly where you're paying a guy 120, 130 million a year who's not playing anywhere close to that kind of level. You you could definitely argue he's earned it over the last five years where he has remained the best player in the world. But projecting forward, it, it might just be a better financial decision to say goodbye. Now, the fans will not accept that. I don't think any Barcelona fan would accept that. I think the only way Messi can leave and Laporta can really survive is for Messi to publicly come out and say, it's got nothing to do with him. He's the right man for the club. The reason I'm leaving is is Bartomeu and and what he did. And I just want to experience something different. So it is that is something that Laporte has to manage really, really carefully.
0: Thousand percent, and it's one of those. If you if you were betting a month or two ago, it'd be quite an easy decision that these he's leading and PSG were seen the the natural destination. As each day goes by, that decision looks harder and harder to bet on. It, it is no coincidence since. Laporta's charm offensive in recent times since, you know, Messi's preferred president has come back. Look at Barcelona's upturn in four. There's no two ways about it. I think they're five on the spin in the league. They're only a few points off the top of the table. Lionel Messi, in a strange way, is starting to look like the Lionel Messi we all know again, even at the age of 34. And you are right, Lionel Messi won't make a it's a financial decision whether stay or go lean or messy finances are sorted for life aren't they it's all about does he fancy a new project but then at the same time he also has to do i uproot my family from where they all know and love do i change things around in my in my life so it will it will ultimately come down to that but as each day goes by at the moment one foot stays in barcelona and this will all come down in my eyes to how well Laporta plays this. Does he he manage it well? It really is on a sort of a knife edge, but you would not go against him sort of renewing on whatever terms he does. And the other thing Barcelona have to factor, let's not lie, why are sponsors at the table for Barcelona? Lionel Messi. Sponsors come to the table because the jewel in the crown is Lionel Messi. If Lionel Messi's leaving... Watch sponsors disappear from the table. And that gives Laporta a, a huge job then to bring them in. Because if you are going to lose Messi, which you can't force him to stay, he will make that decision, then you... It's almost one of those where you have to bring a few superstars in just, just to almost cover those bases. So <laughs> there's nothing really decided at this stage. But when that decision does get made, it's a huge one for all parties concerned, it really is.
1: It absolutely is. It is massive. And and as you say, like the, the the commercial side of it does need to be massively factored in. And and maybe there's look, maybe there is a world in which Messi says, Look, I've made all the money I need. I I'm, I'm gonna take a big, big pay cut and I'm gonna stay and I'm gonna help rebuild this club and get it back to where it was. And that's absolutely possible because he does love the club. Like his his wanting to leave the club was never that he'd fallen out of love with Barcelona. It was that he felt like he couldn't stay so close and and watch it crumble the way it was under the previous president. Um, so that is going to be the first massive decision for Laporte, though, is figuring out the Messi conundrum, and the fact that Messi went out publicly and made it very very known that he'd voted from. And everything that's happened since, and how Barca have turned things around on the pitch. Like, you, you can clearly see when you watch them play, and you, you even just, when the camera pans in on PK or Busquets or Messi, they don't look like they're walking around with the weight of the world on their shoulders the way they did six months ago. Like, you go back to the start of this season, them boys looked miserable. Absolutely miserable. Now, They're playing football with a smile on their face. They're enjoying themselves again. And that is translating into better performances. PK and Busquets are playing better than they have in probably two years at this point. So, you know, it it does, it does factor in massively. And as you said, like Laporta wants to get back to what made Barca great at different times. La Masia. You go back to the René's Miquel's era. He sort of was very much on you know, developing players and developing them as footballers rather than just, you know, you play this position, you play that position. Club had a dip. Cruyff takes over. Same thing happens again, developing their own players, bringing them along. Club has another dip. Laporte takes over and in his initial run as president, made it known. We are going to produce our own world-class footballers. We're not going to rely on splurging. We will buy big every so often. We'll buy one megastar every couple of years. So you went and he bought Ronaldinho and said, look what I can do. I can do this any time I want. But you know what else we're going to do? We're going to bring through these players. So the likes of Iniesta becomes an all-time great. Busquets, Xavi, Messi, Piquet, Puyol, who had been rumoured to be leaving Barca prior to Laporte's arrival the first time all of a sudden becomes an absolute icon of the club. Brings back, you know, it was, it was that mindset that brought back Cesc, brought back Alba, because they were looking at it going, why have we let these great players that we've produced go elsewhere? Let's bring them back. They're part of the fabric of our club. And he got back to the roots of what makes Barcelona, Barcelona. What makes a nation, which is what Catalan believes that it is, identify with that club, and it is those strong roots. And if he's going to go that route again, they will always have an enormous pull for any young player to go to that academy and be able to say that they're part of that academy. That is massive. So he is going to be able to do that. He's He's going to be able to find the best young talent in the country, or not him specifically, but the people he employs to do those things will be able to do that. And then if they can supplement that with, you know, say they buy Haaland. Let's say they buy Haaland. Like, that's that's a 10 to 12-year signing. Haaland is not going anywhere if he joins Barca. Like, if, I would say if Haaland joined Liverpool, we would have three to four years, and then he's off to Real or Barca. That's kind of how that would work. Same thing with Mbappe. If Barca buy them, that's destination. They're staying there. They're not going anywhere else there's nowhere up from there they're the biggest two biggest clubs in the world um so if he can bring in a Haaland and bring through you know a, a pedri a fati uh Maribu you mentioned like if a couple more of those players come through all of a sudden they'll have exactly the balance they want these superstars that they've bought and these superstars that they've developed that's what barcelona really wants to be
0: yeah exactly that and to almost link it back to to what he had before, because it all came under Pep and Pep's management. Now, the, let's say Pep Mark two, Javi, that's the that is the big target for Laporta. He's he's been quite public that he loves Javi. Javi's been quite public that he loves Laporta. It's you know it's a it's a public court in there. So as soon as Laporta came in, the natural question for many in that area was, okay, so when's Cumin being moved out and Javi? being moved in. Now that is a difficult balance at the moment because Kuma is obviously doing, turned it around, it's probably the right phrase, so to speak, at the moment. There's still a long way till the end of the season, but at the moment has turned it around. So where does Laporta go with that? Listen, at the first sign of trouble, as soon as it starts to go wrong, it's an easy journalist rumour to bring out, isn't it? Kuma out, Javi in. But you would be absolutely astonished if it doesn't happen at some point long term. As we said, Javi's he's he's an icon of that club, brought through the Academy, all the records, all the prizes in the world, all the silverware, now moving into management. He's he's pet marked too, isn't he? It's absolutely perfect for them. And also, if you know, we don't know for definite, this is fact versus theory, but it would not surprise you if Laporta's having those chats with Messi because we know how much of a part Lionel Messi plays in running that football club if those sort of discussions had been had not with Ronald Koeman I've got no doubt but that's the other thing it's a simple formula for Laporta as you said youth players of real talent occasional superstar all managed by someone who's Barcelona through and through and that man long term is Xavi at the moment simple as that
1: yeah, yeah. Without question, without question, Xavi is the the sort of preordained, um, you know, successor to Cumin. Assuming he wants it at that point, he may look at it and think, "I'm not quite ready." I think Xavi is a very thoughtful person, obviously a very intelligent footballer, and you can see when he does his press conferences post game with Al Saad, he. When he answers things, he doesn't just blurt stuff out. He does pause and take his time and give in-depth answers and break things down for people. So I think he'll be clever as well. He won't, he won't do a Frank Lampard. Let's say that he won't rush back for the job because he might never get it again. He knows that he is always going to be on the shortlist. Like in 10 years time, he will still be on the shortlist if he decides he doesn't want it yet. So. He has time on his side. He's still only 41 as well. He's very, very young. Um, and like you say, Cumin is doing quite well at the moment. He had obviously a rough start to the season and hasn't always been the most popular. But of course, he himself is an icon of of Barcelona. He was part of uh, Johan Cruyff's dream team. So you know, up until the Pep team, that was the greatest team Barça had ever had. Um Since joining Barca, he has won 65% of his games. Now, the Champions League catastrophe against PSG was unfortunate, but not necessarily his fault. But, you know, the league form has been good. They're, you know, they're closing in on Atletico Madrid, um, considering where they were when he took over. They were, you know, mid-table. Um, he's done very, very well to get them back in in the title mix. And he's experimenting, trying different things, proving he's not a dogmatic coach. At the weekend, he played three at the back with Frankie de Jong as a Matthias Zammer style sweeper. Or maybe that's a Ronald Koeman-style sweeper, if you you go back a bit further. Um, So, like, he is showing that he is potentially an absolutely fine candidate for the next couple of years while Xavi continues to develop. And maybe the move is that Xavi comes back and manages Barca B, does that for a couple of years and then steps in the same way Pep managed Barca B and then stepped in. Um, Louis Enrique, of course, he managed Barca B and then stepped in a couple of years later. So they they have options and, and that type of thing will always be promising. They'll always have... They're always going to have icons. And and look, there will always be the could Pep ever go back there idea. And I wouldn't rule it out. You know, he signed on to stay a couple of extra years at City. But I wouldn't rule out the fact that Pep could someday go back there. And maybe he might go back there as a sporting director. He might decide that he doesn't want to be a manager anymore after City because he'll have won everything multiple times. And Pep often talks about the stress and the strain and how exhausted he is at the end of each season, he might decide that he'd rather go and be a sporting director. And if Laporte could eventually end up with Pep Guardiola, sporting director, Xavi as manager, which was obviously the, uh, the continuity as players, was that Xavi replaced Pep in the team. If those two were your managerial dream team, I mean, that's probably what Barca fans would take. And... And be very very happy about, and that'll probably keep Laporte in charge.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Even, I mean, even going back to to previously in his previous reign before it was well when Pep came in, who came after that? Tito Villanova, wasn't it? Pep's sort of apprentice yeah. or right hand man, if you want to call it that. There's, there is there is a clear formula that Laporta has. It is a a rinse-repeat scenario. It's not. It's just history repeating itself in his eyes. That's the ideal scenario. And let's not lie. As we said, these are one of the two biggest clubs in the world. It works. It's that simple. It works. It does take money, though, as we said at the same time. And the the timeline may just be interesting because if if as it stands, the S five Barca project does go through as it should do it's 2025 is the scheduled date where they have to start making those payments back. And it's almost like a mortgage We're talking huge amounts, sort of a 3 to 4% interest on top of the, the payment itself through to Goldman Sachs. And with that, they, they have a clear plan, apparently. So the title rights, the stadium, the sponsorship, the VIP seats, you know, that, that it will add up. But short term up to 2025 while this credit facility is available all those things look doable from 2025 if it goes through it, as planned bars are committed to almost huge mortgage payments so at that point it could be doubly difficult to really keep those superstar buys coming in so the timeline will be interesting for how laporta does this additionally Listen, if Laporta doesn't make it a success, then Barca will let him know and he'll be voted out before you can blink. So it, it's a key timeline, it's a key formula, but the next year in this will be absolutely crucial because if you can't bring a big name like a, a Haaland or someone like that to go alongside Messi, you're just kicking the can 12 months down the line. You really are, because... We generally don't know what Lionel Messi will be like at thirty-five, thirty-six. I know we can estimate, but we can't guarantee it. So it's all a natural succession plan, as we said. But the time frame on this for Laporta is now absolutely key.
1: Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. And and I do wonder, like they've had ties with Mino Raiola in the past, and I do wonder if they'll try and get a deal done with Mino where. Holland stays at Dortmund for a year, and then his buyout kicks in, and they can get him for what will be below market value because I think the buyout is like 75 million euro. If he yeah, moves crazy. this summer, it's, yeah, you know, if he moves this summer, it's, it's it's double that easy. But you know, Barca will have no problem paying ridiculous wages, so they could say to him, "Look, get him to stay a year." And whatever the best offer he has out there, we will beat it. And we're Barcelona. Can you imagine the endorsement possibilities for Erling Haaland as the next main guy at Barca after Messi following on from that with the likes of Ansu Fati and Pedri as his, you know, his supporting cast? I think they'll be very appealing to players like that, you know, they could sit, do the same thing with, with Mbappe. Go to Mbappe's representatives and say, look, he's on a free transfer next summer. We will give him whatever he wants. And we're going to buy Erling Haaland. And that's the two. We're playing those two up front. We'll have Fatty on the right. Pedri on the left. We're going old school Barca four-two-four, And we're going to wipe the floor with absolutely everybody with this incredible young front four who'll all develop together all peak together and that will sustain them for a decade so they might have to get creative they might have to get a little bit unscrupulous but that wouldn't be a problem rendering new for barcelona not but you know a couple of brown envelopes could find their way into into agent's hands and say look not this summer because we need to sort some stuff out but next summer Next summer we are going all guns blazing. For the for the next year we're going to figure out the messy situation. We've got, like you say, S by Barca to try and get off the ground. We're going to have to figure out all our commercial side. We're going to have to trim some money off our wage bill. We'll probably say goodbye to Busquets and Piqué in a year, or at least try and transition them onto the coaching staff. Because you know, I mean, Xavi with Busquets and and PK as his assistants is is probably what they would dream of. Um, We're going to make some moves, get rid of some big earners, and we're going to open up money. And all of that money is going to you too. You're the two. Because let's let's be really frank about this. This is not football in the 90s. If you're going to score the amount of goals that Erling Haaland and Mbappe would guarantee you every single season, you're going to win a ton of football matches, and you're going to win... you're going to win titles and trophies. You're going to be an incredible team in the Champions League. You're probably going to just rampage over most teams in the Champions League because while teams can game plan to stop Haaland or Mbappe, nobody is stopping both. And if they could find a way to get both of them in the door next summer, even on contracts that are, you know, unmanageable for any other club except them and Real, if the initial cost is low if it's just the sign-on fee for Mbappe which could be 20 million say and then 400 grand a week or if it's 25 million and 500 grand a week and say Haaland gets you know 75 million fee and 400 grand a week I mean all that is is Lionel Messi's wages split between the two of them so if they could even say to Messi look give us one more year give us one more year and then go Help us get through this phase and then go. You'll still have your offers. And maybe at that point, Messi just goes, you know what? What I really want to do is I want to go play in, in America. Because commercially, Messi would clean up in America. So while he'd have to obviously take far lower wages, he could clean up or he could do a Beckham deal. What what Beckham did with the MLS was Beckham agreed to a five-year, $125 million euro contract or pound contract wherever the equivalency was back then and that was back what are we talking nearly 15 years ago that when did beckham go to la galaxy was that like 2006 2007 yeah it was around Um, wasn't it but what that contract was was it broke down at 25 million a year but 20 million of that per year went into a fund he didn't see any of it. It went directly into a fund. And when he got himself in a position, having retired, that he could find partners to go into a, a, on a club with him, he got the equivalent of that money off the price of an MLS franchise. So when Beckham bought into Miami, the rights to into Miami off the MLS, he got it at a massively discounted price which is what the original agreement was when he went over there it was all Beckham signs for 25 million a year he didn't he was getting 5 million a year a massive pay cut but he got this guarantee that in the future you are going to be able to buy a franchise off us we will guarantee you a franchise even if we have no no intention of expansion at the at the time as when you call us and say right i want my franchise there will be one sitting there for you We will put it in a prime prime city for you. So he picked Miami. That's where it went. And he got it at a massively reduced cost. I think the cost of an MLS franchise right now is like 300 or 400 million. He got basically it at half price because of That's dollars, like three or four hundred million dollars. He got that money off. So he didn't have to find three or four hundred million. He had to find about 150 to 200 million. So Messi could do exactly the same thing. You know MLS will do it for him. Because for MLS to get Messi, I mean, that's a game changer. That boosts the profile enormously, even bigger than Beckham did when Beckham went there. So 2007, he went over there. I could see them saying to Messi, look, give us one more year and then go there. And how about this? We've seen a whole bunch of European clubs set up partnerships with North American franchises. Like, for example, when the Ottawa Fury folded, Atletico Madrid bought the rights to that franchise, and now that club is Atletico Ottawa, and that club has ambitions to become an MLS team. What if Messi's franchise, when he gets one in the MLS, or if he was to get one, was basically you know barcelona fucking new york or barcelona la or barcelona miami something along those lines it it's another way that barca could extend their own commercial arm by having messi in charge of a franchise or running a franchise with a group of investors who could also be you know people connected to barcelona there is a lot of ways that barca can grow themselves that way but also It could solve the Messi thing, which is the whole point of my ramble, is that they could say to Messi, give us one more year. Just one year and then go to MLS with our blessing or go wherever you want with our blessing. If he goes to MLS, they save all that money and then they just turn that money around and go, right, this is half for you, Mr. Haaland. This is half for you, Mr. Mbappe. And there we are. That's our front four moving forward. Fatih, Mbappe, Haaland and uh, Pedri. And who's stopping them? You know,
0: yeah, it it really is an option, and for the well, for what looked a lost hope at the start of this season and impossible almost. Well, go, going back because Bartram rejected his chance, didn't he? When he filed and Bartram said no, you've missed the deadline to leave. The, either either scenario, whether it's a year, a full renewal, or leave, Barton now have options, like you say. I, I could well see Lionel Messi staying. Like I say, that that argument gathers strength every day. There's so many options for all them now. Yes, it, it doesn't absolve the debt. There's, it's going to be a, a huge credit facility that's needed. But this is all Laporta gambling on Barcelona's future. But understandably, understandably, that this asset's going to grow. The project's going to take us, you know, into a and you stratosphere also is smart business. As much as you talk about the love and it's right, the, the politics aside, it's smart business to keep Lionel Messi. There is a reason why Barca, year after year, have thrown at him what he wants. There's a reason why Barca let him have the power he has, it's what he brings to the table. So it really is he the short-term future into this summer, what happens with them. It's going to be absolutely fascinating, but where we were six, twelve months ago of oh, Barça won't do anything. Barcelona are skint. Yeah, <laughs> debt's one thing, credit's another. It is not going to be a quiet summer at Barcelona.
1: No, no, it's not. Just sorry, just to confirm the figures on on Beckham. So at the time, an MLS franchise was going for about a hundred and fifty to a hundred and seventy-five million. That was the expansion fee. Beckham got his for twenty five million. The rest was the reduction of the initial contract he signed in two thousand seven. So he got it for a song. The most recent one that was just announced is uh, is Charlotte, to start in twenty twenty two. They've paid three hundred million, and St Louis will kick off in twenty twenty three. They're paying three hundred and twenty five million. So Beckham got his for $300 million less than St. Louis will pay for theirs. Now, he did buy it in 2014, and there was a lot of issues in, in the start of It took six years to get the club up and running. But that is basically what Beckham did. There's no reason Messi couldn't do a similar deal if he wanted to go there. And, and that could be something that Barca could do with him. Barca could say to him, look, go there, do a deal, and whatever the amount is, that you have to pay after they take the reductions off, we will pay. And we'll go into business with you. We'll go into 50-50 partnership with you, where we own half and you own half, and we'll run the club like basically Barcelona, North America. Um, Right. Let's just go back to the initial topic that we had, which is Ginny Wijnaldum. With all things considered, and everything you've you've looked at uh, for Barca, do you think Barca is the right move for Ginny Wijnaldum?
0: I think personally Ginny Wijnaldum would be a fantastic move for Barcelona and vice versa really do. I think you're talking about a player who is as we know we talked about his availability, he is unselfish. He's not, you know, he's not fussed about being the star. It's a great chance for him to play with Messi and play in that that type of team, obviously the the varied styles as we saw, De Jong obviously dropping in, you could well see Gini doing that at certain points into a back three. Additionally, he will get simple terms, he will get paid uh one final decent contract from Barcelona. And you just sense he would be one of them again, one of the most popular guys in that Barcelona dressing room. If not, now, I know we talk about a leadership team at Liverpool and it's not a leadership team, it's Lionel Messi at Barcelona, but he would be one of the guys you fancy who would gain Messi's respect instantly. I just naturally cannot see any con for Gini Wijnaldum to head in towards Barcelona in the summer. I just can't see anything.
1: No, no, neither can I. Um, look, the lifestyle alone is is going to make it worthwhile. Um, And as much as we might want him to stay at Liverpool and as much as we might think of Liverpool as a city, um, if you're given the opportunity to live in Barcelona or Liverpool and you don't have family ties to either, then in all likelihood you'll you'll pick Barcelona because of the weather, the climate, etc. Anything else you want to touch on, Liverpool? Any kind of... You hear bits and pieces. I hear bits and pieces. Have you heard any potential names for a Gini replacement? Is there anything going around that you think is is of interest?
0: Um, it depends on who you believe and who you read, doesn't it? Really, I I think, like you said, there there is or there will already be a clear shortlist and who they want. I think Liverpool need to see where they are at the end of the season before the trigger gets pulled at anyone. Because as we know, there's a big difference between us having Champions League football or not and the sort of budget that will allow and the targets who we can attract realistically. There's, I mean, Premier League-wise, there's a lot of talk of the likes of Bissouma, isn't there? And then further afield, there's the the Gladback lads like Zakaria and Newhouse are the two that are being flagged. And even on the continent. There's even talk of, oh, is isn't there from Leon. It's To me, it's all going to be a question of where do we finish and are we in the Champions League? That is going to decide everything. There, there may well be a list, which we know there will be, of five, six junior replacements. If we're not in the Champions League, considering who else will be after those, you could probably start scratching two or three off the top of that list straight away.
1: Yeah, I I do agree. I think Champions League is going to play a massive factor in it. And I think, you know, we we may have to get creative, but when you look at the hit rate of of Edwards and Klopp as a tandem, and when you appreciate what it's like to have a really well-run club with everybody working in the same direction, as opposed to with the previous manager, who would not take any suggestion from the committee and was publicly fighting with them and having disparaging comments written about them in the press, in a similar way to what we've seen at Barca. Uh, Brendan was leaking things to his pals in the press about Michael Edwards and others, about their failures, trying to take credit for all of the successes, despite most of the failures been his own. Um, with Klopp and Edwards, it's very much a tandem where they work together and they come up with the right players. So, like you, you mentioned Yves Basema. Basima, there's been lots of talk about him. There's been talk of, you know, Newhouse and, and others. And I, I think Florian Newhouse, the news that came out today, which is that Xabi Alonso looks set to be the next Borussia Mönchengladbach manager. If you're a midfielder currently playing for Borussia Mönchengladbach, you would be absolutely mental to leave that club because you're about to get a master's degree in how to play your position from one of the greats. Um but yeah, I think we're, whoever it is, I think we'll be well placed. I mean, look, it may just be a thing that the Ginny replacement isn't a direct replacement. It's somebody that plays a different position because there may be a change in shape next season. Um, so it is absolutely possible that, that that's the case that, you know, Ginny leaves and we go with a midfield group of Fabinho, Thiago, Henderson, Nabi. Curtis Jones and and maybe James Milner and that's our six midfielders and we play a two-man midfield most weeks and then we bring in a Rafinha or somebody else like that into a front four so you know we have plenty of options I think there'll be a lot of flexibility a lot will obviously depend on what Klopp wants to do but I think it's going to be a fascinating summer for Liverpool I'm quite excited about it. Uh, but like you said, a lot will depend on you know whether we're in the Champions League or not, and not just from a budgetary point of view but from whether or not players will be uh, in, enticed to come and join us if we're not in the Champions League I think they still will, because I think Klopp is Klopp, and this is a Champions League team, regardless of whether we're in it next season or not, we know we'll be back in it the following season so I still think we'll have a massive pull um, Dave, this has, been, this has been great, thank you so much for your time, I've taken up a lot of it um anything else you wanted to to just drop before we go?
0: No, lots of time will tell, won't it, for the season and what it holds for Barca and Liverpool, simple as that.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And look, for years we've 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 feared Barca coming and plucking away our best players as they did with 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 Coutinho and Suarez before him. Um if they take Ginny it's it's not them plucking him away. It's Ginny making that decision. They're not in a situation right now where they can come and take our best players, thankfully enough. Uh, but they may get back there sooner rather than later if, uh, if the plan of Laporte works out. That's it. That's the show for today. Thank you, as always, for listening. Do check out Anfield Index Pro. Uh, there is a free trial. If you do the trial and you like it, stick with it. It's really, really good content. If not, check out the rest of the stuff here on the free site. Check out the uh, the work on the, the website. John O'Sullivan writing a lot of good articles there. If you sign up for Pro, you do get Sam McGuire's daily newsletter as well, which is good, so little extra bonus in there. Uh, and Check out anfieldindex.shop for any goodies that you might want if you've got someone's birthday coming up or anything like that. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Network.